Welcome to Kishwaukee Bible Church. This morning, it's my privilege to, um, to kick off a brief summer series that the elders will be teaching on. This brief summer series is entitled Life as Family. And through this, we will explore certain aspects of life as brothers and sisters in a body of Christ, uh, aspects such as discipling one another, uh, embracing our differences, giving freely, which talks about our time, talents, and treasures. And then today's topic will be bearing each other's burdens, bearing with one another. When we discuss bearing one another's burdens, we are going to anchor ourselves in Galatians 6, verses 1 through 5. So if you have your uh, Bible there or device, uh, you can turn to that right now. You may read along if you'd like, or you may simply listen. This is the word of God. Galatians 6 begins, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. Then his reasons to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let's pray. Father God, these, these short verses are rich, and they invite us to do your work relying on you. Lord God, uh, this whole time, even throughout this morning, may your spirit flourish amongst us as we lift up your praise, as we hear your word proclaimed. And may what we hear this morning from this pulpit be your thoughts and mine, not my own or as some other man or woman, that you would be glorified. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Well, Leroy Jethro Gibbs. Leroy Jethro Gibbs. I know many of us have heard of him. Some of us have not. Let me invite, enlighten you on who Leroy Jethro Gibbs is. Gibbs is a character on the TV crime-fighting series, NCIS, Naval Criminal Investigative Service. And Gibbs is a former Marine who leads a team of special agents to invest crimes primarily involving the military. And Gibbs, on this team, he has his three agents, and he also has a uh, medical examiner and a forensics expert. And, and on Gibbs' team, they're kind of quirky, but they are very effective, highly effective. Well, Gibbs has this set of unwritten rules he's developed to keep his team in check and keep himself in check. And these, <laughs> these rules, like Gibbs, are a bit quirky themselves. But I think they're pretty interesting, and we're going to look at a couple of those just right now. Rule number one says, never let suspects stay together. Seems reasonable, huh? Number two says, always wear gloves at a crime scene. That's wise. That's practical. Rule number nine tells us to never go anywhere without a knife. And rule number 16 is very interesting. If someone has the upper hand, break it. <laughs> now, Rule 22 is, is highly emphasized. Rule 22 says, never, ever bother Gibbs in an interrogation. And similar in tone is, never mess with a Marine's coffee. 
And with apologies to my brother, Jeff Lewis, there's one on there that actually says, never ever involve a lawyer. <laughs> my favorite one though is rule 51 because it's wise and it's honest. And it says, sometimes you're wrong. Well, the Bible also has lists. We're familiar with many of them. The Bible has the Ten Commandments. The Bible has the Levitical laws. The Bible has the Old Testament genealogies. And in the New Testament, we see the Beatitudes. There are many lists in the Bible. These, Bible, these lists tell us God's perspective about how our lives or should be and what God has done through the ages. You can see that on some of these lists. We can know our boundaries as God's people when we read these lists. And they're not only instructive, though, they sometimes they can bring us comfort when we read them. In the New Testament, there's a specific list that I really like, I really enjoy. Uh, it's not one specific list in a book. It's actually gleaned from several passages, actually dozens of passages, throughout the epistles and the, and the, uh, the gospels. And um, this list is the one another's, or the each other's. And in the one another's, Jesus and his, and his apostles tell us how to behave and interact with each other as disciples of Christ. These one another's will, will say things like to be at peace at one another. We are told to accept one another, to be devoted to one another, to comfort one another, not to repay. We're warned, don't repay one another with evil. And we are to bound in love for one another, and so on. There are over 50 of these one another's. If you go through the New Testament, there's over 50 one another's there. And about 12 of these, maybe a little bit more, all tell us that we should love one another. So it's easy to reason that love is the overriding theme of all the one another's. In fact, the foundation and capstone of these one another's would be the words of Jesus himself from John chapter 13, where he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our topic today, bearing one another's burdens, is just like the other one another's. It examples the love that Jesus desires from us. It keeps the church healthy by his grace, and it shows the world who our Savior is. So today, as we walk through Galatians, among other things, we will see what bearing with one another's burdens is. We will also see why we are to do it. And we will see how we should carry this out. The passage begins, if anyone is caught in any transgression, that it would be a sin, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. Well, Paul begins this passage of Galatians with an example and an instruction to mature believers. He discusses the restoring of members to the body who have become overcome by personal sin. The Bible is clear about sin being our biggest burden. It's a burden we often bring upon ourselves. And moreover, sin, should it go unchecked, can, becomes damaging to the local church. And I think perhaps this is why God had Paul put this in as an example of a burden. 
And it goes on, caught in any transgression. This literally means, when a person, a person is caught in their sin, caught in a transgression, this literally means a sin that has overcome you, has overtaken you because of your sin. And this sin doesn't have to be uh, habitual, although it often is. Sometimes it can be just one big sin. They're all big sins. A habitual sin might be substance abuse. That You would expect that maybe that would be a habitual sin. Time and time again, someone's going back to do this, that thing that's harmful. But another sin might be cheating on your taxes or cheating on a school exam or cheating on a pre-employment drug test. These are also sins, and they can also catch up to you. Well, the verse continues, and it says, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Spiritual refers to mature believers, those people who have an active and mature faith. For instance, those who walk by the Spirit, as described in Galatians 5, 22 through 25. A mature believer will depend on God to lead, depending less upon himself. That's what it's been. A mature person will also more likely have the self-control referred to that Paul refers to as, as the uh, fruit of the Spirit. So a mature believer will de- depend on God to lead and have self-control. And therefore, this is not a role for the new believer. However, any believer, young in the faith, mature in the faith, is to pray for their sinning brother or sister. And then Paul references gentleness. It's a reflection of God's compassion. And it's to be applied to restoration. Gentleness is always to be applied in restoration a brother or sister, restoring a brother or sister to the body. We judge the sin, but we don't judge the sinner. We can judge, if we judge sinners, we're doing God's work. Judging sinners is not our job, it's God's job. So when you think restoration, think gentleness. This is what God wants. As well, and and as mentioned earlier, love for the brother or sister and love for God's church is to be our motivation and goal in the process of restoration. Paul mentions this from time to time. 2 Corinthians 2, he's telling the body in Corinth, he says, look, you need to uh, forgive this person and comfort them and that they may show their, you may show their love to this repentant sinner. As well, in 1 Timothy 1, he's addressing Timothy. He says, Timothy, you know, I want you to confront these guys who are teaching way off the mark. But the passage says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And then at this point in the passage, Paul tells us that we are to bear one another. So our what in the passage is we are to bear each other's burdens with gentleness and in love. Well, why are we to bear each other's burdens? Well, it's it's displayed in verse 2. Paul writes, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's our why, to fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? It's interesting that also in this letter, uh, Galatians, Paul argues against the Old Testament law thrown on new believers to spiritually overload them. And yet he states that when bearing the burdens of others, we fulfill the law of Christ. 
It seems to be reconciled, though, when you go back to those fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, where Paul says, against such things there is no law. And we know that love, of course, is a fruit of the Spirit. And we are to live by the Spirit. We are to walk in the Spirit. As well, Jesus himself tells us in Matthew 11 that the entire law, the entire law, the entire Old Testament law and all the prophets depend on these two commands. The two commands are to what? Love God and to love our fellow human beings. We've already seen that Jesus' command to his disciples is the foundation and capstone of the one another's. And this command points to our Savior. So love of God, love of fellow human beings, love of our brothers and sisters in in the Lord Jesus, we can reasonably say that love is the law of Christ. So our why would be fulfill the law of Christ. And in the context of our passage, we'll talk about birds. Let's talk about birds a little bit. In the context of our passage, a commentary by John Piper appears to define what a burden is. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to skip, skip a little bit. This passage by Pop Piper is very pertinent to us. I quote, We should probably define a burden then as anything that threatens to crush the joy of our faith, whether a tragedy that threatens to make us doubt God's goodness or a sin that threatens to drag us into guilt or judgment. End quote. Sin is our greatest burden, though hardly our only one. Other tragic circumstances become burdens as well. And these tragic burdens often lead us to doubt God's goodness, his perfection and everything. In in fact, they can often lead us to doubt God himself. And this body of believers and those who are not with us today have experienced such burdens in the past several years. And even people today, we have people dealing with chronic pain or chronic illness, these horrible burdens. We have people dealing with the burden of unemployment. We have people dealing with the burden of loss. We have people dealing with the burden of uh, elderly parents that cannot care for themselves. Personal tragedies, personal sin, these are the burdens of our experiences. But the why tells us by bearing each other's burdens, we will fulfill the law of Christ. And by doing so, we will point people to Jesus. This is our why. We have our what? We have our why? Let's talk about the how. In verses 3 and 4, Paul focuses on the attitude and demeanor we're to have as we're helping others carry their burdens. The text says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. From these two statements, we can reasonably ascribe humility as the focus of these statements. When we are helping someone carry their burden, we are to avoid avoid conceit. We are to avoid personal comparisons with our brother or sister in need. And as already stated, we are to avoid judging people. Indeed, at this point, it would be good to heed the advice given by Paul in Romans 12, verse 3. He writes, By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, 
but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. We are to be humbly grateful for the work God has done in our own lives. This should make it easier for us to walk side by side with someone rather than try to walk in front of them. Our how, then, is to bear each other's burdens with humility and gratitude. Well, when we look at verse 5, we see that it states, for each will have to bear their own load. And that statement may be a bit confusing because we've been talking about burdens, and now Paul mentions a load that we have to carry ourselves. But the difference is in the Greek language. They are different words in the Greek language, and there are different definitions for each one. For instance, a load is a pack, like a soldier might carry, having all their belongings, having all their gear. He's expected to carry that pack. Okay? He's expected to carry his own load. We are expected to carry our own load. But a burden is a weight so heavy that one person cannot reasonably carry it alone. And sometimes whole families cannot reasonably carry these burdens alone. An example of a load might be, so this young couple gets married and they find out they're having a child. And so now their mindset is, we have roles now as parents. And those roles are their load. As parents, we will love this child. We will feed this child. We will bathe this child. We will change this child's diapers. We will wipe this child's nose. We will see them off to school. We will make sure they have a roof over their head. And we will make sure that they know about God and his ways. These are some of the packages that come inside the load that those parents are carrying. They are happy to accept those loads. But a burden for a parent is completely different. A burden may be when your adolescent child begins to self-harm. A burden may be when your child comes down with a debilitating physical condition. These tragedies are examples of parental burdens. Such a parent would some, welcome someone to call them or text them, find out how they're doing, come and sit beside them and pray for them, maybe do some errands for them. Just somebody just to be there. You don't even have to say anything to help with that burden. We have our loads, the roles God gives us as individuals. But we often encounter extraordinary circumstances which become burdens. We cannot bear all alone. So a question may be asked, where do I begin to, when I become aware of someone's burden? Where do I start? Well, first of all, well, I think this list might be helpful. It may not, but just bear with me. When you be care of someone's, become aware of someone's burden, don't ignore it. Pray about it. Ask God as to your role in carrying that burden. And be available. Be available for that person. There's a, there's a, a saying in American team athletics that says, the best ability is availability. And what this depicts is as someone who is always prepared, always ready to get in the game. They are available. The best ability is availability. I have a friend in California, his name is Steve. And Steve uh, was a student in the college ministry when Jeanette and I were part of that back a while ago. <laughs> and, and Steve now has become, uh, he's, he has a vocation, a paid vocation, 
as a chaplain in the hospice for a children's hospital. And my heart goes out to him. Just, I have no way to know how he could ever do that. However, I was talking to him about grief and, and birds at one point. This was several months ago. How, how do you handle this? How can you reach out to these people? And Steve had a really practical and simple answer for me. He said, when a person or family is asked to carry such a burden, the one thing they seek deep down is just someone simply to be with them or to be there for them. You don't necessarily even have to say anything. Just let them know you are available. So we don't ignore the burden and we become available for the family or the person. And then also as we pray, when the Spirit leads you and expect the Spirit to lead you, offer to pray with the family and read scripture with them and also inquire about temporal needs that they might need to a hand with. Maybe they need some groceries. Can I pick up your groceries this week? Or can I take your kids to, your, to uh, baseball practice or a piano recital? Maybe I can feed your pets for you. That, maybe that will lighten your burden. I don't know. But offer. Find out some ways, some temporal ways, to help the load, lighten the load. And also, remain consistent. Remain prayerfully consistent as you do these things. Jeanette and I have benefited, totally blessed by some of these things, people being prayerfully consistent in our lives, even since we've been to Illinois. When we first moved here, Jeanette's dad came to stay with us for a brief time. And he was 90 years old. And besides being 90 years old, he had some pretty ex uh, extraordinary health issues. Well, that required Jeanette to stay home 24-7 to tend to dad. I worked in Geneva at the time, about a 45-minute drive one way. I was on the job maybe 8 to 10 hours, so I was gone 10 to 12 hours a day. Jeanette was there all alone with dad. Well, one of the members of this body, a former registered nurse, approached Jeanette and she said, you know, maybe you could use a break. She said, maybe, if you don't mind, I would like to come and sit with your dad a couple hours, two or three hours a day, once, maybe sometimes twice a week. And I'll take care of dad, and that way you can go get your groceries, or you can go have coffee, or you can go join a Bible study, whatever you want. So this lovingly, prayerfully consistent person was helping Jeanette to bear that burden of caring for her dad. And it was a beautiful thing. Likewise, I had that job in Geneva, was laid off three years later, <laughs> and then I got a, God gave me another job, and I was on that job for about a year, uh, a little over a year, and then I was laid off again. I was really bummed. And I didn't know what I was going to do, but a few days after I got my layoff notice, there's a phone call, and it's Frank Yonke. He says, Jim, he says, I, I heard you've been laid off. You're unemployed. I said, yeah. He says, well, how you doing? I said, eh, so-so. He says, look at I've got, I've got a proposal for you. He says, I'd love to have you come to my house once a week and do a Bible study with me. Actually, it's a book study based on Psalm 73, and it's written by a man by the name of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Would, would you be interested in that, joining me once a week? I said, yes, Frank, I would. So Frank was so consistent with me. We met every week going through that book. And as God revealed himself through the words of the author, more importantly, through the words of the psalm, I was reminded of God's 
sovereignty, his holiness, his righteousness, his compassion and love. And he does he's all those things in perfection. And that is embedded to me in the, even in the, to this day. And then when uh, uh, Pastor Yonke was not able to continue that, he introduced me to a man named Phil. And Phil helped me finish that study. And that study lasted a good 15 or 20 weeks. I don't know how many chapters in the book, I forget. And that was good that that foundation was laid in me because my layoff this time was not three or four months. It was 16 months. It was a long haul. But the point is, people helped to bear our burdens, and they were consistent about it. They had prayed about it, and they didn't ignore our, our needs. When we bear each other's burdens, we example the love of Jesus. We see and experience Jesus for each other, for one another. And when we love each other, we example Jesus. We example Jesus to others by proving to those outside the church that we are his disciples. This, in this, the Savior is made known, and the Father is pleased. To sum up, bear each other's burdens, bear with one another. We have our lives' roles, our loads. We often encounter extraordinary circumstances which become burdens. We cannot bear them alone. When opportunities arise, be available, be practical, and be consistently prayerful. And Galatians showed us a what, a why, and a how these things happen. What are we to do? We are to bear each other's burdens with gentleness and in love. Why do we do it? We bear each other's burdens with we bear each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. This points people to Jesus. How are we to do it? We bear each other's burdens with humility and gratitude. And remember, fulfilling the law of Christ points people to Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can point people to you. Because you're the only one who has the words of eternal life. That's what Peter said. That's what your word says. And you are so wonderful and compassionate. Why wouldn't we point people to you? So help us as a body to do better at bearing one another's burdens, to step out and help each other be, be aware of needs. And Spirit, push us into that, that we might step into people's lives, even just to inquire or even just to sit with them. God, may you be glorified in all this. May you be glorified in what we do the rest of the day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about our church, please visit our church's website at kishbible.org. That's K-I-S-H-Bible.org.